0: Hello, and welcome to the FinTech Marketing Podcast. In today's episode, we're talking to Chris Pitt, the CEO at First Direct. We take a deep dive into Chris's perspective on marketing and also his journey from being a CMO to CEO, which is something that you don't see that often. And so he's able to share a very interesting perspective on that journey, on what it takes to be an effective CMO as well as CEO, and a lot of practical advice on how to succeed in this industry. It's a great conversation. Really excited for you to hear it. Before we get into it, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Whatever your payment plans, Visa, the world's leader in digital payments, is on hand with the expertise, programs, solutions, and partner networks to help make it happen. Bring your big idea to life. Partner with Visa to do it bigger and faster. Visit visa.co.uk/fintech. Hello and welcome to the FinTech Marketing Podcast, bringing you insights and ideas from the world's leading financial service marketers. I'm your host, Eric Fulweiler, Chief Marketing and Commercial Officer of 11FS. I'm on a mission to learn how the world's hottest FinTech startups and most innovative financial service brands drive growth through modern day marketing. Today's guest, Chris Pitt, Chief Executive Officer at First Direct, former Head of Marketing UK at HSBC. Chris, thank you so much for making the time. It's great to have you here today.
1: No, great great to be here, Eric, and thanks for inviting me along. Of
0: course, of course. So let's get into it. The question that I am asking everybody, all the guests for season two, to kick things off, a bit of an icebreaker, if you will, what are you really excited about in the world of marketing today?
1: You stuck me with a hard one at the very beginning, Eric. I think what I'm really excited about, especially coming out of the pandemic, is how do businesses Uh, kind of really align themselves to whatever this thing is euphemistically called the new normal. I I think it it poses challenges relative to how organizations position themselves relative to how they deliver for people. Mm. I think it talks about uh, a new level of authenticity, I think, relative to to what matters. And I think it it also talks to a new level of kindness, optimism, and kind of being real, I think.
0: And are you talking about – because I love a lot of what you're saying – I think that there's a lot of brands who have kind of done campaigns or tactical, maybe saying superficial is a little cynical, but a lot of brands that are kind of like leaning into that because of what's happening right now. But are you saying that you think there's almost like a fundamental shift that's happened and going forward, even marketers and brands will be more like that?
1: Well, I, definitely it's not about kind of tactical or superficial or yeah. kind of kind of taking advantage in inverted e-commerce. I think... The thing that really springs to mind relative to your question is at the very beginning of this pandemic, Noel Quinn, who's the group CEO of HSBC, reinforced by Ian Stewart, who's the UK CEO, is is that they said we absolutely need to do the right thing. Yeah. This is not a time for market share. This is not about a time for growing revenues. This is not a time for kind of in some ways being overly commercial. This is about looking after people and doing the right thing. And I think that that kind of sense of being there for people and and supporting people and I think supporting both customers and also the people within organisations through what is going to be a very changing period and doing that in a real tangible kind of useful way rather than some of the superficiality yeah. that happens in a kind of more benign environment.
0: Yeah, and I know First Direct, you had a big campaign in 2020, a lot of which was focused on hashtag money wellness. And I've got this quote from Marketing Week. First Direct wants to play a more active role in the wellness conversation and in a way that will put it, quote, at the heart. Of modern culture, which I really like. And it sounds like that that's coming out a lot of the thinking of what you just said, and also the directive and steer from the top of HSBC as well.
1: Well, the insight around that kind of really applies to that, I think, in terms of what we just talked about is the the mental strain that people have been on and the kind of the pandemic dynamic around mental health. that's a function of this is that money wellness is comes out of an insight that is a lot of people have anxiety, which is driven about how they manage their money. And uh, I was thinking about this in fact only this morning is that the job of a bank really, you know, there's the mechanic of it, but the job of a bank is to allow people to sleep. Well, mm. you Now that, that is the fundamental, we either looking after people's money or having given them enough information that they can manage their money well, or to make sure that they don't overstretch themselves relative to doing things from a, a debt management or an investment management perspective, which they're not comfortable with. And that, you know, applies now more than ever you don't need to be adding to the mental angst of people at a time when they're going to be stretched and and considering um how they're going to live their lives in a kind of a very very changing world and that the insight around money wellness completely aligns to that really it's about mental health managed through something very very important to you which is how you manage your money
0: yeah i love that and um it reflects a perspective that we share apply to everything we do at 11FS for our own brand and business but also with our clients the whole jobs to be done framework it's not about the product that you offer it's about the need that that solves for in your customers lives so i think starting there and working backwards is always leads to good marketing but also just leads to good good business um, so I love that Chris, I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, your background. you know, HSBC had a marketing UK, you were at Tesco for a while, had a marketing there. So you've come up through the marketing ranks and are now chief executive officer of first direct, which is always a conversation about, you know, the role of the CMO, future of the CMO. People like to say that, you know, that's not a path that's well trodden CMOs moving in into that CEO role. What are your thoughts on that? And how has it been for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you're right about it not being a well-trodden role. I mean, w- when I was at Tesco, I actually had uh, the opportunity, all, all marketing directors within Tesco, I was the marketing director for Tesco Bank, had the opportunity to meet the CEO, who was Terry Lee at the time, who also, you know, I'd, I'd never even, I wouldn't want to consider myself even within the shadow of Terry Lee, but he's he was a guy who did the CMO to CEO task as well. I think there's a couple of thoughts around that relative to how I've trodden that path and then and then talk about kind of how I found it. The first one is is that I've always believed, and I started my career in kind of product development, product management, launching mortgages and credit cards and insurance products. So kind of understanding the business side, the PL, how how an organization operates, makes its money and functions. And I've always been a great believer that to market a company you need to understand it. And this is not in any way to be derogatory, but there are some people in client-side marketing departments who come out of the advertising world, who bring their own skills and insights uh, and, and, and value, but they, they sometimes kind of understand the communications side of marketing and not how the bank makes money. And I think it's very important to do that. I think it's, I've, I have found that very, I think it's very important. I think it's, it's also very useful so I, I, during my career, at certain points of time, have briefed myself, and my own organisation relative to what the organisation needs to do, because I understand how the, that part of the business, either the the loans business or the mortgage business or the insurance business, whatever it may be, makes money. It also allows you, in terms of managing a team, is to steer them. Is it, the way that I always think about it was which way do they need to jump if the going got a bit dodgy and. To that end, for instance, I got the CFO of HSBC to come and talk to the whole of my team and explain to them how banking works so that it allows them to be one step ahead when they're talking to their colleagues within the the financial side of the organisation, the product side of the organisation, but also the operational side of the organisation. So understanding your business is very, very important. The other part of it, I think, is, is insight. You know, Terry Leahy, Famously took Tesco from being, you know, a very pretty poor supermarket. When I was at university in the in the late nineteen eighties, you know, the Tesco in the town where I was at university was shocking. To kind of running down Sainsbury's and being the the behemoth that it is today, and he did that by coming out of the insight leader through to the CMO because he basically took a mirror to the organisation and had some pretty tough conversations with the leadership, but told them this is what people perceive of you, so that you can change. And again, I think that fundamental truth that comes out of marketing, which is about we are the representative of what the customer perceives of us. And sometimes that's a tough thing to tell to companies. You know, even within my organization, sometimes we do things which are making things better, but not making things as best as they can be. And holding that mirror up to the company, I think, is a real catalyst for change, which comes out of a a very objective truth. You know, what I've tried to do in my career is then take those things into the job that I'm doing today. So I understand how financial services and banking works. I understand how it makes money. I also understand uh, from my history the kind of the insight that is the driving force behind it. You know, banking is a means to an end. It's not usually an end in itself. You know, nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, yes, I'm going to open a life assurance product. It is about peace of mind. It is about sleeping safely. It is about often just getting it done. You know, 90% of financial services is just, it just works. You know, we we are the above ground version of the drains, really. You know, you only really notice us when it goes wrong.
0: Yeah, I love a lot of what you said, but a couple things to pick up on and maybe add a bit of a build to, I think one of the things I like to say a lot is marketing is a means to an end. Marketing is a means to an end of whatever the business results are that you're trying to drive. But then also, like you said, the business results are a means to an end to the human results that you're trying to drive. So I think it all comes together. And like you said, I I do believe that good marketing and good marketers help make a business more customer oriented. They represent the voice of the customer internally and Someone coming up from a marketing background moving into that CEO role likely would naturally have more of that perspective like it sounds you do and like it sounds Terry Lee did at Tesco. So I think that's really interesting. And I I do believe, and from my own experience, what I do here at 11FS, marketing and commercial, but also my last role in the agency world being an M.D., I think that's incredibly valuable for anybody, no matter the track that they want to be on coming up in a marketing career, whether they eventually want to be CEO or they just want to be a better marketer. You need to understand how the business works. You need to have that commercial understanding, uh, getting your hands dirty, you know, making, making sure you have a partner in the finance department or, or someone on the business side that can help you get up to speed on that. So let's talk a little bit more about what your world looks like, the marketing side of things at First Direct right now. Do you have a a CMO who reports into you ahead of marketing? Are you more involved than maybe a typical CEO would, given your background? What's the world of marketing look like at First Direct these days?
1: So we're just appointed, actually. In fact, I've got a meeting with them this afternoon, a new CMO for FD. Congrats. I'm very excited about them joining as someone I've worked with before, in fact, in my previous job. So that they're either deluded or quite uh, like, we well. probably the form.
0: Could be a bad um, idea right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I would be, a, well, maybe I am uh, Eric, but I'd be a dreadful leader if I kind of did the marketing over their shoulder. I I, I I, was talking about to some of my team leaders in my operation last night is that I tried to be the boss that I'd like to have. I'm a great believer in kind of the Simon Sinek construct of autonomy, mastery and purpose. And I absolutely don't want to be leaning over anybody's shoulder. So I you know I haven't got involved heavily in in the marketing, you know, it, to me my job as a CEO is to set a strategy which the marketing guys can understand as long as everybody else actually and know what the purpose of the company is and therefore can operate independently of of me and also the wider leadership because they the strategy and the purpose of the organization is very clear. So that's kind of the construct, uh, if you like, the way that I'd like to, op- to want to operate. I think the thing that has I have observed coming from the background that I do, which is about you know perception and communication, is that sometimes some of the things we do are great, but we're not necessarily articulating them the way that is great or landing them in people's mind in a simple way that they can consume. So I, I think they're the nudges I've been giving to My marketing people, and and to be honest, in my first couple of months in this job, more to my internal comms guys, relative to how things are landing with our people, as opposed to our customers, which is the marketing guy's job. So First
0: Direct is an interesting brand. You know, it's the FinTech Marketing Podcast, so we're interviewing people from the whole world of financial services, but one of the unique positions that I think 11FS has is it really... Straddles the line between the up and coming, the challengers, the the fintechs of the world, and the more traditional incumbent banks, insurance companies, just players in the financial service space. But First Direct is a little bit interesting because it was almost one of the original challenger banks, you know, way back in 1989 when it launched, and is, you know, and I know, uh, you know, some of the things that you're looking at bring that challenger approach for sure. But it's also part of HSBC. How do you think about managing that as CEO? And then, how do you think about those brands playing together or not playing together between First Direct and HSBC?
1: Yes, it's a really good question. I mean, I joined FD originally in, in 1997. I worked for a couple of years earlier in my career. And, you know, FD, it, as you quite rightly say, started at a minute past midnight in October 1989. You know, this is when at a time when if you wanted to, talk to your bank managers, some you know, you, you kind of, not necessarily physically, but metaphorically had to go on bended knee to kind of get yourself a loan. You know, most banks closed at three o'clock on every day of the week. And, and if you wanted to make a payment, you had to fill in a form and kind of hand it in after standing in a queue, usually a, quite a long queue at lunchtime. You know, th- so this was an organisation that was open 24-7, where there was no paper moving around when you made a payment. And it, the, the leadership... And you know, I've I've just been interviewing some of the original CEOs as as I reach back into the history of the company to kind of define the purpose going forward. Mm, and, that's interesting. Yeah, you know that they they trawled around the states and picked up tech from a number of organisations, not necessarily banks, to kind of build that infrastructure. I mean that was serious revolutionary delivery, especially for a, a kind of a very traditional bank like Midland, which had been. At a point in the 1950s, the biggest bank in the world, a very traditional organisation. So it was massively revolutionary, really massively revolutionary. When the internet came along, we were the original internet bank. We were even today, you know, with our app technology, 97% of our transactions are digital. So we are a digital organisation. And if you look at how our customers rate us, they rate us very highly as the top digital organization saying that we we haven't invested enough yeah and as much as that we wanted to and therefore this is the the journey and the reason to be honest the main reason why i took this job is that it's to bring a new level of investment to bear so that fd can again compete at scale and to double the size of our organization by being for a new generation of of customers uh, a new generation of younger customers as well as supporting the ones that we've got so it if if we pull this off, and I've got every confidence that I will with my team, Eric, it's going to be a fascinating case study because this is not a greenfield IT site; it's a brownfield IT site. As you point out, we're coming out of a relationship with a large, well, one of the biggest banks in the world as well. But we have a rich heritage in being a challenger, being a consumer champion, of doing brilliantly for our customers. You know, we we are the number one customer service brand yeah. in the UK. We overtook. John Lewis recently in the CSI survey, so which is, is quite an achievement for an organisation like a bank, which doesn't tend to have that sort of heritage. So we've got a very rich heritage in challenging and being consumer focused, but we're also part of a, a wider organisation. That kind of juxtaposition from a brand perspective is one that was very live when I was here in 1997. In some ways, FD in 97 was defined internally by not being HSBC. What I'm on a journey to do with the guys in FD is just kind of change the question, to be honest. You know, I I work for First Direct. I also work for HSBC, but I work for First Direct. And if I was from a consumer's perspective, I present that as that brand with that heritage and that inherent promise. And and the the way that I see this is that we are FD and part of our resource mix is the power of HSBC. Hmm. So rather than think about it as a kind of a familial type relationship, a kind of a, a child or a parent or, you know, siblings or whatever it may be, is that we are FD, we deliver to FD's promise. We, we, we need to kind of reinvigorate that promise and and renew it in terms of talking to a different audience, a younger audience. But we're going to bring the, the equity of HSBC to bear in the same way that when we work with you guys, we bring your equity to bear in support of what we want to do as well. And, and it kind of it changes. It's not designed to be duplicitous in any way or kind of or use weasel words. It's just, I think it's getting our mind in a very different way. You know, we should wake up every morning thinking, what can we do for FD and FD's customers? And it's essential that we do that rather than getting lost in how the supply side dynamic works.
0: It sounds like the internal comms and the, I guess, just leadership, you know, digging in with the team. Understanding where they're at and and laying out a strategy and kind of a vision that people can get behind. It sounds like that's a, that's a big thing for you in the early stages of this role. Could you unpack that more a little bit? Because I think we talk a lot with the guests that I have on about external communication, building the brands, connecting with customers, etc. But I think for a lot of people listening, their role also spans internal communication. And it sounds like that's something you're thinking about a lot and would love to get your insight on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've worked for this company a long time. I mean, I've I've joined it three times. Once when I joined FD, once when I joined coming back from Tesco, and and once, I always say once as a hostage, when HSBC bought M&S and I worked there. And it is is a very big, complicated company. You know, there's lots of, you know, I I always joke, I'll get an email today from someone I've never heard of about something I don't know about that is not relevant to me because of the very scale of our company. So the way to navigate that, and I've learned over time, is wake up every morning thinking about what matters to your customer and wake up every morning thinking about what matters to your business, usually in that order. Um, And when I say business, I mean the people in the business as well. Because if you wake up every morning thinking about how you navigate the company, you will generally tie yourself up in knots and you'll end up doing things which are often mediocre because they're trying to satisfy internal stakeholders rather than actually satisfying what matters to the customer and, and the business and the people. And if you use those kind of swords, if you like, no one will generally disagree with you. So, you know, if you say I'm doing this because this is the right thing to do from the inside and from the consumer's perspective, they might not have come up with it or think about it, but they will never disagree with it. So, you come out of a very objective perspective. It's not because XYZ person in XYZ part of the organization or a person with a certain grade thinks this or that or the other. You're saying, I'm doing this because this is the insight, this is the metrics, this is the data I've got, these are because my convert, you know, whatever it may be, which is a great source of power, not only in terms of influencing, but also in terms of motivating you as an individual because you're doing the right thing. I think the the other thing I would um, suggest is that often, I, and I'm going in my career, I've come across parts of organisations where one leader gets on better with another leader, or doesn't get on with another leader, and you, you really need to reach out to your core stakeholders, and if they're essential to make what happens, which is important to the customer or the business, you need to get to them. To explain what you're trying to do you know I often hear it's very hard to get XYZ to work with us because they don't understand us and they're not listening and the only thing you can own is is how you communicate so thinking about how you can communicate better simpler how you can get to explain what you're trying to do which is matched to what they're trying to do if you can is essential as well so don't use your position to kind of try and force things through is take people with you because then you'll get the whole of the organization behind you rather than just kind of forcing down what you want to do, which will just create angst and subsequently someone will get you in the end. There's
0: a um, quote I wish I could remember where I first heard it, but it always comes back to me in conversations like this and that's be a people mover, not a problem solver. And I think, you know, that's part of what you're talking about is like, you know, in order to drive effective change, if you are a team of more than one, which almost everybody is, people need to feel bought in and they need to feel like they're part of it. And I think that's the job of a leader, regardless of the discipline that you're in, is you need to, you need to get people on board in order that you can't just tell them what to do or you can or, or won't be as effective. Chris, there's a, there's a word that you've um, used probably about a dozen times that I want to, I want to double click on because I think it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on and that's insight. You mentioned it in, in every segment of this conversation so far. So I'd love to just, you know, throw that up and say, you know, wh- why do you come back to this word so often? It sounds like it it drives a lot of how you think about what you do. And then maybe more specifically, how do you make sure that you are getting the right flow of insights to you to make decisions? What does that look like in your world?
1: Yeah, I, again, I suppose it's, it's something that I've learned over over time. And it talks to, you know, I think Doing the right thing for the customer and the business, but also to your point around influencing others. You know, what I have done and something that I have found is there isn't enough insight into FD. And that's one of the things that I've deliberately done. So I've just, in fact, yesterday went through a a, a qual study that we've done with our people as to what matters to them, what's motivating to them, what makes them proud of the organization, what makes them feel valued by the organization. So that we we really have got that mirror now to us as to what the leadership needs to do. Again, relative to our purpose, I've stood up a, a programme of of work where we're looking at what our purpose should be relative to what matters to younger people. In fact, um, again, today I got an email from one of my Insight guys talking to us about we, we've created a kind of a fellowship of, of kind of people from all around the organisation, a very diverse group of people, both from a gender and ethnicity perspective, a sexual orientation perspective as to, and we're going to go out and interview these younger people. So it isn't just the old FD leadership thinking about what we should do. We've got some challenge within the leadership dynamic there, but also we're going to go out to younger people and ask them what matters to them and how we could build an organisation that delivers on what matters to them. And I'm very clear there, Eric, that it's what matters in their lives rather than what matters in their financial lives. Because you know we we work work ourselves around them. But the the reason I think it's insight is so important is because that that empathy that marketers should bring. You know, I th- I th- I always think empathy is the superpower that I had and and hopefully have. It's so lacking in in organisations and definitely within banks. And that's not to be detrimental to the other people within the banks because they have skills that I absolutely do not. But empathy doesn't tend to be the center of gravity for an organization which is commercially and risk focused. So bringing that sense of this is the perception of people who are the people who are our customers to bear and the insight that kind of was it the five whys type thing is really kind of unlocks the world. You know, the the way that I always describe it is, you know, as as I've, you know, I'm slightly I've got a a few more Bob than I had when I was younger but when I was growing up and my kids were little the insight as to why I went on posh holidays every other year is because I wanted to stay married <laughs> because my love my wife loves kind of seeing the world I, I'm to honestly, less bothered so the reason I would put my hand in my pocket and go on posh holidays every year is because you know on the margin I clearly I didn't dislike going to these places but it was absolutely part of what made my wife happy and tick so you know If you sent me an email saying, you know, go on safari like we did, luckily enough enough to do when my kids were relatively small, because, you know, you can boast of work or you can, it's dead posh, or you can be the cutting edge I'd be thinking I couldn't give a monkey's. If they sent it to me and said, you know, this will make your family really, really happy. It's something that will kind of, it's a real gift, prize, reward back, for the for the for your whole family, I'm yours. You know, I'm I'm bought in. And so, the kind of the way that travel companies could engage to me, if they had their insight cooking, would be in that space as opposed to another space. And I think it's it's so important relative to communicating about in a way that really resonates with people. If you've got that insight, you it absolutely can get your your numbers to cook. You know, I, I was, I'm most proud, and I was only ever a small part of it, in my career of, of producing the We Are Not an Island activity that HSBC did. And, and the real insight there is that HSBC believes in an open connected world, and we were talking to an audience, a target audience, that are especially around Brexit, felt the world was closing down on them and was becoming less kind, less open, less positive, for people who were who were different whatever different was, was meant yeah and that not only was true of our brand but resonated with the people that we wanted to talk to and that was the killer insight come out of a brilliant planning guy in our advertising agency who, who kind of highlighted that and that made everything else fly that that piece of insight it wasn't what ad format it wasn't uh, what media in some ways you you needed to to assess every piece of creative rather than the piece of creative in itself so we did some great stuff in that campaign that was media wise and, and output wise but the center of gravity was the insight which drove that strategy
0: yeah and i think you um whether you're on the agency side like i was for a long time or you're on the client side i think you feel it When you get that, it's almost like product market fit. They say you feel it when you get it. Insight market fit. You feel it when you get it. And then the creative almost takes on a life of itself. But yeah, I love that. I mean, insight gives you understanding, which allows you to be relevant, which allows you to add value. And that's ultimately what good marketing and good business strategy is going to let you do. So Chris, I'd love to give you a couple minutes to share you've already shared so many lessons and advice for our audience but to ask you the question directly and see if there's anything else that you want to share with them what are some of the most important lessons that you've learned over quite an accomplished career so far
1: yeah but th- thanks for the question I, I, the first thing i'd caveat mate is, is i'm maybe a little bit above average so I, I, I know sometimes you hear people talking on these your great podcasts like this but and you think oh i can never aspire to that and just want honest if if I can do this, anybody else can. I mean, the the things that I've encountered in my career. I mean, my career has always been powered by being inquisitive. I get, I've got a very very short attention span, so that's why I've gone and done the things that I've done, often to the detriment of of, of my family's geographic location or something like that. So my family have been brilliant for me. But the first thing I say is never give up. Never give up. And I think I've had some tough times, especially in some of the points in my career, and. You know, I could have laid down and curled up in a corner, and it would have got me nowhere. I think don't don't be a victim. You know, always think about what you can manage and what you can influence. So never be a victim of, of something that's happening. Never be done to. You know, I think that kind of very much ties into your the corporate nature of my organisation. It's quite easy to kind of feel hard done by, it and it just gets you nowhere. But so be inquisitive. You know, I I looked around. Marketing departments, and I didn't see many people. You know, I, I'm I'm in my 50s to maintain a career in marketing as as you get older, especially in the digital world that has kind of uh, has been created. You know, there is something about getting your skills right and make sure you maintain them. And, you know, and, and I did quite a lot of reverse mentoring in in the space which you oper- you guys operate very well. You know, I had to kind of understand things because the things that I'd learned when I started out in marketing. Disappeared. The media disappeared. So I needed to remain current, and what powered that was being inquisitive. You know, just keep asking questions, thinking about how things work and how you can make them better and how you can understand them. Be kind, and I, I've learned that over the years. I haven't been as kind as I should be, but you know, it's imp- really, really important. My son, my younger son, taught me that when I was talking about the performance of someone at work, and he, he just basically called me out on it, and nothing was very. Very fair. And I can even hear him and in he's, in, he's in my ear now telling me that. Um, and finally, I think something I said to my TMs, my team leaders yesterday is, you know, I, I like to try and be the boss that I'd like to have. And, and some of the worst ones I've had have powered me to try and be that. You know, people who have been overbearing, who've been bullying, who've kind of tried to use me to make them look great. Try and be the person you'd like to work for. Is kind of always a centre of gravity for me now. I love that. Some great stuff in there.
0: That's really great, Chris. Thank you. So that is going to wrap things up for today. This has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you making the time, Chris. Where, if people want to connect, if they want to find out more about you or what you're doing at First Direct, where can they find you out there?
1: So um, I'm becoming more active on LinkedIn, Eric. So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. If, if you wanted to talk to me again, if you if you wanted to contact through FD's media just kind of contact me directly through through F D. But LinkedIn's probably the best way of getting hold of me. Great.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Another great episode. Thanks again to Chris. If you want to find out more about 11FS, you know where to find us, 11FS.com. Don't forget to subscribe and please do leave a review. Really appreciate it to everyone who has already. More episodes to come. You can always find us. Would love to hear your feedback on today's episode or anything else at 11FS on Twitter or LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn as well. And then you can contact myself and the production team, podcasts at 11FS.com. More episodes coming out soon. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.